Well, good morning, church. It is a fine, beautiful morning. We have kids back at school. Life seems to be back to normal, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to worship Christ with us this morning through Robert's Church. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm so glad that you're here this morning. We're continuing our sermon series, which I hope has both been interesting to you, but also maybe helped you think about things that you weren't thinking about. We've talked about how these different stories that we don't necessarily talk about in the Bible actually have a lot to teach us. A few weeks ago, we talked about what it meant to be a martyr, and that as a follower of Jesus, we're called to be martyrs in the sense of the original word, witnesses. And when we're martyrs, that might cost us something. For some, it costs their life. But even for all of us, in the midst of a culture that is generally accepting of Christianity, Standing for what we believe could cost us friends and jobs and, and all sorts of things. And then last week we talked about failure. And we talked about one of the, the biggest failures in the Bible and in life of King David who wanted to sleep with another man's wife and did and got her pregnant and then murdered the woman's husband so that he could marry her. I mean, this is just as bad as it gets. And we talked about how God is with us in the midst of our failures and that if we learn from our failures, it can actually help us be who God wants us to be. And today we're going to talk about a topic that, again, we don't really talk about in church very often, and that's depression. But in, and yet, it is incredibly important. Nearly one in five people suffer from some sort of anxiety disorder. So church, is that important to us, that we know if there's one in five people around us that we need to talk about and talk about how we, as a church, can be there for those who suffer from depression? And if you are one of those people, I hope that today that this message is one of hope and you hear first and foremost that God is with you and that God is on your side. So we're talking about the story of Elijah. And Elijah, you know, this is one of the superheroes of the Bible, right? Elijah and Moses, when Jesus is transfigured on the mountain, it's Elijah and Moses on the mountain. So this is, this is a big deal. The prophet Elijah is one of the main characters of the Hebrew story. And right before our text, he, he does this amazing miracle. God had caused famine of the land for three years because this man Ahab had married a woman named Jezebel and they had brought in Baal. And people were worshiping Baal instead of God. And, and they had persecuted God's prophets. And so God had brought famine on the land for three years. And so Elijah finally at the end of this comes and he, and he talks to Ahab and he says, bring all your prophets of Baal and, and you go on that hill and I'm going to go on this hill and, and you build a pyre over there and I'm going to build a pyre over here and we're going to see which God lights us on fire. And it's this really kind of funny story if you read it in 1 Kings 18. And he taunts them as they're doing it. I love this. Elijah's like, yeah, keep, keep adding more wood. Come on. You can do better than that. Keep praying. Pray louder. And of course... Baal doesn't really exist, and so there's no fire from heaven setting this pyre alight. And then Elijah builds his pyre, and then he's like, oh yeah, and add water to it. You know, like insult to injury. He's like the original trash talker, Elijah. <laughs> yeah, throw some water on there until it's, it's soaked. And then he calls down to God, and he calls up to Yahweh, and, and fire comes down from heaven, and it's, and it's lit on fire. And then the, the people kill the prophets of Baal, and you think that this is... Things are going to turn around for Israel and Elijah. But in the very next chapter, Jezebel tells them, you know, I'm going to kill you. If, if you are still alive this time tomorrow, may the gods strike me dead. It's like that old saying, hell has 
No scorn like a woman scorn. She is angry. And it just causes in Elijah, you know, he just, he just did this great miracle. You know, he brought God's truth and, and defeated the prophets of Baal. And all of a sudden, he is running for his life. And so he runs and he goes and he lays under a bush and he just calls out to God and says, God, I just want to die. He's just laying on the ground, calling out to God, saying, I just want to die. Now, we don't know if Elijah was suffering from depression, but this is some of the things that we say when we're in that place, that dark place, right? I just want to lay here and I just want to die. Depression is a reality that many people face, whether that's chronic depression, something that you face throughout your life, or if it's a situational depression, something you might face for a time like Elijah, and he just, you know, he'd done everything that he possibly could, and it still seemed like he had failed God, and so he just wanted to lay there and die. And so we're going to look at this story and see how God responds to Elijah in the situation, and then relate it to our life. So if we're struggling with depression, to know that God will show up, that God will send people, that God will provide for us, and God will bring hope. So our scripture today comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 18. This is what it says. Ahab told Jezebel that all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all of Baal's prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a message to Elijah with this message. May the gods do whatever they want to me if by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like one of them. She's threatened to kill him. Now you can imagine how difficult it was for Elijah to go and stand in front of Ahab and, and, and stand in front of these prophets of Baal and, and do this amazing thing. And yet his life was still threatened. You know, if you ever feel like you've always done the right thing and you've always made the right choices and yet you still run into difficulties. Just because we do the right thing doesn't mean our life is going to be easy. There's going to be many times where we're going to go through difficulties. And we're going to go through hard times, even if we don't make mistakes. And that's exactly what happens to Elijah. Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life. He arrived at Beersheba in Judah and left his assistant there. He himself went further into the desert a day's journey. He finally sat down under a solitary broom bush. He longed for his own death. How many of us have been in such a dark place that we have longed for our own death? I hope it brings you comfort to know someone like Elijah, a prophet of God, one of these main characters of the text, struggles with some of the same things that you and I struggle with. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I'm no better than my answers. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. You see, God does not leave him there. Just like God will not leave you in your difficult place. God will not leave you in your darkness. God will not leave you in your depression. Then he suddenly, then suddenly a messenger tapped him on his shoulder and said, get up and eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked on glowing coals and jar, a jar of water right by his head. He ate, drank, and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up and ate and drank and went refreshed by the food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. Now, Horeb and Mount Sinai are, are the same thing. So this is the mountain that Moses received the law of God from God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord's word came to him and said, where, Why are you here, Elijah? 
And Elijah replied, I have been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they want to take my life too. Then the Lord said, go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is passing by. And a very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound. Thin. Quiet. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat and he went out and stood at the cave's entrance. A voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because of the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they want to take my life too. The Lord said, Go back through the desert to Damascus and anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Anoint Jehu, Nimshi's son, king of Israel. And anoint Elisha from Abel-Mahola, Shaphat's son, to succeed you as a prophet. Whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill. But I preserve those who remain in Israel, totaling 7,000, all those whose knees haven't bowed down to Baal and whose mouth haven't kissed him. So you can sense in the story the brokenness of Elijah, like laying on the ground saying, I just want to die. Like he's broken, he's, he's lost. And, and he doesn't even cry out to God other than to say, Lord, just take my life. And yet we can see from God's response how God will respond to us when we are struggling with depression or just being just going through an incredibly difficult time. First thing that God does is he sends, is he shows up, actually. God shows up. We know that when we are struggling, God will show up. Now, sometimes God doesn't show up like we expect. In a little bit in the story, it talks about how there's a wind that broke apart stones but God wasn't in the wind. And then there's an earthquake and there's a fire. Those are the things that we expect when God's going to show up. We expect these big moments, right? We expect God to come in loudly and like shaking the walls. But God shows up in the thin, quiet moments. And this is why it's so incredibly important that we retrain ourselves to look for God in those small moments. So many times we miss God because we're looking for those, the wind and the fire and the earthquake. And we don't look for God in the thin, quiet moments. But we know God will show up. This is, this is what it says in Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be scorched and the flame won't burn you. I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Notice it doesn't say if. If you walk through the waters. If you walk through the fire. It says when. The reality of our existence is we will face these moments. We will face brokenness. We will face pain. And sometimes it's crippling. But we must remember that God is there. When we go through the rivers, they won't sweep over us and the flame won't burn us because he is the Lord, our God, and he is our Savior. So when you're in those moments of brokenness, know that God will show up. 
The second thing is that God is going to send people to help you. And, you know, this is kind of our responsibility as a church. This is one of the reasons that we're talking about this, because not every one of us are going to struggle with depression. But I guarantee there's probably someone in your family, there's probably someone in your friend group, there's someone in your life group that desperately needs you. God sends this messenger, probably an angel, makes him food, tells him to go in the, to the mountain of God. And at the end, after he speaks to God, God lists all these people who are going to come into Elijah's life who are going to help him out in the situation that is so much breaking him down. We need people when we're struggling. But that means we have to be open. Because no one in this room is a mind reader. No one in this room can just tell that you're struggling with the things that you're struggling with. Sometimes we can pick up on clues. But if you're hurting, you have to let people know. So that God can put those people in your life to show up for you. And then church, we got to show up. We got to show up for each other. When we know our neighbor is hurting, we got to show up. When we hear someone in our life who's hurting, we got to show up. When we hear someone that we don't even know, but they're part of our church, we need to show up. Because they will experience God through your presence. We're going through depression God will send people to show up for you. The next thing is that when we are struggling with depression, we need to take care of our physical body. In this story, God sends someone to make Elijah food. A lot of times when we are just in that place of brokenness and hurt, we ignore our physical needs. Maybe we eat, but we don't eat what's good for us. And we know that a lot of the things that are in our food today mess with our chemicals in our body because of all the chemicals and things that we put in our food all the preservatives and things. And it messes with our chemicals and, and it's not good for us. When we're going through these difficult times, we need to eat food that is healthy, that is good for our bodies. And we need to exercise. Uh, I don't think it's really the point of this passage. You know he sends Elijah on a long walk. <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights. He has to walk. Exercise is good for you, but it's not just good for your physical body. It's good for your spirit. It's good for your mind. It's good for your soul. It's shown that exercise helps you in dealing with depression, especially long walks and, and those kind of, that kind of exercise. So we need to take care of our body. If you were struggling with depression, take care of your physical body. The next thing that we need to do from this passage that it tells us is that sometimes we need to retreat. Do you know that people who obsessively check social media are more likely to be depressed? Probably doesn't surprise anybody. It's, and I think one of the reasons is we, when we post on Facebook, we're not going to post that picture of us breaking down and crying, are we? When we post on Instagram, we're, we're usually trying to take that picture that makes us look in the best light, not when we're sad and alone and hurting. You know, when we look on Facebook and we are in the middle of these broken moments of this depression and we see it seems like everyone else has a perfect life, right? Look how pretty they look. Look how wonderful their life is. Look how bright their kids' smiles. Ignore the fact that they probably were throwing punches at each other five minutes before the picture. So we, we put up this fake life on the internet. And, we, and then when we're struggling, we see other people's fake lives. We think, why am I the only one struggling? Sometimes we need to unplug from the distractions. God sent Elijah away. How do you retreat? 
Do you retreat every day and spend time with God? Do you go to the mountain of God and, and just sit and wait and listen for God? How do you retreat? Do each day, each week, do you take a Sabbath or are you too busy? Are you too busy with work and are you too busy with kids' games? Are you too busy with fun stuff that you're doing to just take time during your week to spend it with God? We wonder why we're so depressed and we're so broken. My question is, do you spend more time in social media than you do with God? Where are your priorities? So if you feel like you're in that that time of depression, or even if you're not, commit yourself to spending time with God every single day, every single moment. We can pray without ceasing. And God will heal us. You know, I think it's interesting that God doesn't show up in the way that Elijah expects. I talked about this a minute ago, but I want to just really highlight this. God doesn't show up in the wind. God doesn't show up in the earthquake, and God doesn't show up in the fire. He shows up in the thin, quiet voice. Sometimes it says the still, small voice. Another passage of Scripture tells us to be still and know that I am God. That's what God tells us. Be still and know that I am God. Are you being still? Are you seeking God in the quiet places? Are you expecting some big, wonderful, powerful miracle to come in and sweep you off your feet? Because what you're looking for may be your neighbor knocking on your door. It may be a phone call from a friend. It may be a song that comes on the radio. And you have to be willing to see God in those thin, quiet moments. One in five of us are struggling with some sort of anxiety, depression. We need to show up for each other. God sends helps, help to those who are weary. And so if you are in that place of brokenness, know that God is with you. Know that we, the church, are with you. And seek to find God in those moments where you retreat from this world and seek God's face. And if you do, you will experience God's help. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to invite Kathy up. Many of you know Kathy. She sings in our band, and uh, uh, yeah, give her a big hand. But Kathy is actually multi-talented, and uh, she is a licensed professional counselor, which means that Kathy knows a lot more about these things than I do. And so I wanted to invite Kathy up to just share with you guys some resources um, that if you are struggling with depression. Um, so thank you for being here. And um, what are some ways that faith can help us with our, if we're feeling depressed or lonely? And So everything David said is right where I talk, talk to people about and, um, you know, a little bit more in depth for their situations. But everything that, that you're mentioning, you know, about the body, about getting your mind right, about um, all of those things is really important. And when I was a graduate student at, at St. Edwards University in Austin, um, I had the privilege of being taught by a really um, knowledgeable um, psychiatric nurse, actually, but, you know, he's at the level of a doctor, basically. Um, and he was my professor, is, is, uh, Professor Reed Minot, and he, um, he basically explained a lot that, that has really carried with me even to now. And it's a real confusing thing, depression and anxiety. And a lot of people don't understand that there's often a, a cycle between uh, depression and anxiety. 
And they come into my office thinking, I'm, I'm really depressed or, or I'm highly anxious, but they're not, they're not putting the two and two together. And it, it's, it's often a, a real um, frustrating situation. So you may be like, I'm not depressed. I go to work. I do all these things. Um, it may show up in a lot of different forms, in other words. So when um, anxiety is at its height, our brain gets really overwhelmed. And when we get that overwhelmed and when anxiety is extremely high, then our brain just can't, can't function. Sometimes we shut down. And it shuts down our mood, it shuts down our body, and it shuts down um, kind of the thing, who we are, you know, what, what we would normally do. And we basically go into fight, flight, or freeze. And mm. part, of, part of that is that numbness, that frozen part, that... That's shut down, and, and that can be depression. Those can be depression symptoms. Um, you may function fine in certain areas, but in others, not so, not so well. Um, part of overwhelm is when, we're that, when our mood has crashed that low and we have those symptoms of depression, what, what are we supposed to do? Um, do, we, do we get on medication? Do we talk to someone? What, what can we do? Well, probably a little bit of all of that can be helpful at different times for different people. So this is not an easy solution where there's one answer. You know, you're, you're depressed? We'll just check these boxes. <laughs> we'll just do these things. So um, part, part of that, he mentioned you, you can have a situation, someone passes away, you're, you're, you're sad. You may, yeah. you may be depressed. Um, and part of that is... Um, um, you know, it could just be ongoing. It could be your body chemistry, as you mentioned. So we just do what we can to try to figure that out a little bit and make, make those pieces make sense. Um, through mindfulness, which is something I work with people on, and through increased awareness, like talks like this, um, we start to figure out the, the ability to manage those, those symptoms. Um, but I want you to be able to also help yourself, okay. right? And no matter how many times you come to my office, I'm going to be asking you to help yourself. It's not something I can do for you. Um, we'd love to be able to just say, God, fix me. You know, I, I, I just need you to come down, change me, and I'll be better. But that's not very often. <laughs> Sometimes it is, but it's not very often how it works. So one of those ways is our, definitely our spirituality, our support that we have as a foundation from God. And um, we start to center our spirit through God's word. Just by coming here, you've started that process. By coming here regularly and continually, you, you really internalize that process of centering and focusing on God. And by turning to pastors and church leaders, we're able to, like you said, tell someone, reach out. And if it's not those people, maybe there is someone in, in your church family. Just by sitting here today as a church family, you are helping someone with your presence, through your prayers, and through any service that you help in the church, it helps uh, someone to know that you are there, that you show up for them every single week, that they didn't just walk in here and it was empty, that there's a family here, and that is important, like I said, on a continual basis for people to know, I can go to church and I can, I can find comfort there. So another part is uh, join a life group, be a part of that, and if you are already a part of that and you're not utilizing that in the way that you can, then trust those people to help walk through you in your darkness. Trust those people that if you share, they will like still accept you, that they will love you, and they, they will surround you with that support. So we are doing life together in life group, and I encourage you to join some, some group. Um, it's a good plug David. for our life group kickoff yeah, out yeah. there. And um, 
Also, um, as you are seeking a greater connection with God and with others within yourself, you're managing depression symptoms by doing that and finding new ways to keep a positive mindset. Hopefully coming here was a positive spot, you know, a positive brightness you know, in your morning. Start your day off right. Start your week off right. That's part of it. And as you consistently continue to come here for that reset, for that positive mindset, um, that's part of it. You might feel a little more like yourself again if you start doing that more regularly. So I encourage you to continue to come. And then through those struggles and pain and illness and tragedies and difficult situations, this is where you build a firm foundation for your spiritual, emotional, physical, uh, psychological, all of that, for all of your wellness. And, and so you want to start to take a look at, at everything around you, those, those things we mentioned already. So. so outside the church, what are some resources if someone maybe are realizing today that they're struggling with depression and they need some of those resources, what are some of those outside the churches also? So you can go to your friends and family if you want to do that. Sometimes we don't. Um, but there are you know, sometimes close friends or certain family members that we want to be able to share some things with. Um, we want to deepen those relationships and um, try to be willing and open to be vulnerable with those people, to give and re receive support together, um, especially sharing faith and how that can be a support for you in those close friendships and relationships. Um, when you have someone who will listen to you and cry with you, someone who will laugh with you, you know, um, it makes all the difference in the world. And, and this is part of God, you know, showing um, his love through other people's humanity. So this is really important. The next thing you can do is, is your own self-help and self-care, which is what you talked about, um, which is feeding your body, exercising. Um, I talk to my clients a lot about that because your body really needs loving care because so does your brain, mm -hmm. but so does your spirit as well. And so all of these things really um, work together as part of that foundation to, to help bolster you. Um, more quality sleep, you know, be, meeting your needs. But you may need a counselor, or you might need a psychiatrist, you might need a, a medical doctor that's knowledgeable, or maybe there's certain medications. Have you talked to anybody about that? Have you thought about it? Is that something your body and your brain needs? Um, some of those uh, problems with depression are things we absolutely can't control. I don't care how many 40 days we walk, we're not going to be able to resolve that. We might need a medication to um, help our brain to, to adjust back to where it, needs to, where it needs to be. All of those resources can support you um, when you're feeling hopeless and helpless and your mood is low, like I mentioned. Um, when you start to look in all of those areas, you begin a process of change and growth and you give yourself greater comfort. It's not going to happen overnight, even in, even in counseling. It's a process. Um, but you build these areas of your life and you start to feel a sense of support around you and within you. Um, unconditional acceptance from others is extremely important. And it gives you motivation to, to, to move forward, to, to, to change, again, change your mindset. Um, and your faith and hope is strengthened and you start to feel more encouraged and more energized um, because of all of these things we've talked about today. So. Any other last thoughts you'd like to share with the congregation about uh, any you know, other things? So. 
Well, I'm more of a writer and not a speaker, but I'm trying my best, and I hope it's come through to people, and if you need more, you just come and talk to me. So I'm just going to read what I wrote, um, because I um, got to look at my paper, really. So. <laughs> um, so God's gift of mercy and kindness is given to us through Jesus Christ, our rock and our refuge. And it's only through trusting in him that we take the first steps to trust ourselves and others. And we reach out to others in need. And by trusting in our relationship with the Heavenly Father, we're encouraged in our faith journey despite any obstacles. Jesus is our great counselor and our savior. And he calls out to us and he asks us to take active steps in our faith to help ourselves. And so depression is the thing holding us prisoner sometimes. And it freezes us, and it keeps us isolated, and we feel alone. And if you are depressed and despairing and feeling hopeless, then just open your heart, like the song said, open your heart to God's love and hope. Because it's in placing our hearts in his hands that we are lifted up and the light begins to shine. And on this new day, we want to reach within our, yourself, and we want to know he is there for us, and nothing can be against us. And so we want to listen with that open heart to all of the rest of the songs that we've been singing today. He's the chain breaker. He's coming to our rescue. Um, and through, in the last song, just listen. In, through his amazing grace, we are going to be set free. So please come and talk to me if you have any other questions, and I appreciate the time that, that David's given me today to speak to you all about this important topic. So. And then I want, to, uh, I want to pray for anyone that's struggling with depression this morning. So let us go before the Lord. Gracious and mighty God, we lift up those who are struggling with depression and anxiety and, and feel frozen and stuck. God, send your Holy Spirit. Let them know that you are there and that you are with them and that you are showing up. Send people in their lives in this church to show up for them. And then professionals like Kathy and, and, my, and, and pastors and leaders in the church that we can provide the support they need. And we pray all these things in the in your name of your mighty son, Jesus Christ. Amen.